Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Our scripture this morning will come from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 23. Hear the word of the Lord. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things to his counsel and will so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love towards all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And that he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. This is the word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we are here. May we be present with you in this moment. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Amen. Several weeks ago, I flew to Houston, Texas to be a part of a cohort 
that you allow me to be a part of, made of executive pastors and directors from several large United Methodist churches, mostly in Texas. We spent several days in conversation, helping each other be better people and leaders in our churches, but also to have a place to talk about how to be our best selves in our work, and also the questions that we had about how to do such and such and finding those solutions. It's truly a gift. As per usual, we finished our work around noon on Thursday, and I had about nine hours before my plane took off to head home. So, rather than sitting in the airport all afternoon, I decided to visit a museum that I had wanted to visit, the Houston Holocaust Museum. You see, I visited the Holocaust Museum in D.C. when I was in eighth grade, so I sort of knew what I was walking into but as I walked the journey of this story, hearing the literal voices of those who had survived such a awful experience, my heart just ached. I found myself thinking about how fragile life is and asking myself the question, how can humanity treat the fragility of life so flippantly and haphazardly? How could we be so cruel as to believe that another's life isn't worthy? As I quietly found my way out of the exhibit, telling the story of what had happened, I walked into this beautifully calming space called the memorial room. As I stood in the middle of the room completely by myself, I found this large, beautiful floor-to-ceiling brown stained glass wall. It was stunning. <laughs> On each side of the wall, there was some significance. As I looked to my left, I found this, this cutout that had different pieces of art in it. And it was supposed to represent the word that was on the floor. And the word was remembrance. On the other side of the wall, there was one consistent piece of art, and it was designed to represent the other word on the floor. The word that was written was hope. As I thought about the last few hours that I had experienced in the museum and thought about all the lives that are represented on this table that we have lit candles for this day, tears just struck my eyes because that was when I realized that I am not only physically standing between remembrance and hope, but I was also experiencing the great pain, the pain that was caused by so many people, the pain that was experienced by so many people then and even now around the world but then also the depth of loss that I was experiencing in my own personal life and in my life here with you. As I stood there, my thoughts immediately went to this day, a day where we gather for worship to remember, honor, and celebrate the saints that have passed to the other side of the veil 
who now rest with God. Robert Dunham reminds us that this day is for some a moment of grief revisited, the marking of painful losses, but it is at the same time a liturgy of gratitude, comfort, and encouragement as the church draws strength from its memory and from the reminders of God's goodness. It is a day where we come and literally sit between remembrance and hope. In his words today, Paul has written to the church of Ephesus in many ways helping them to do exactly what this day is intended for us, to remember the saints, but to also be reminded that we are all saints, holy ones that have been called to be a chosen people. Paul invites the church to remember the significance of being unified. He reminds them and us for just a moment to remember those who have died, not just that year, but all the saints who have passed prior. Just think about it. This community, to remember the people in the last 200 years of this church's existence. Who were they? How did they survive? How they created a space for one another, which would one day create space for you and I. How they were a part of a legacy of this church in our community that brings us to today. You see, ultimately, Paul is reminding the church of Ephesus of their connectedness, not only with those who had gone, but also with those who remain and those to come. Those who physically sit with them, who dine with them, who receive Holy Communion with them. While this is a wonderful concept, it was so hard to come to terms with. And it's something that I believe to this day the church struggles with. You see, one of the great struggles of the church, of the early church, is the difference in Jew and Gentile. The understanding for a long time was that the Jewish people were the chosen people. But then Christ entered the scene and invites all to be a part of this family of saints, redefining literally everything. While I would like to say that in the years since these words were written, the church has gotten better at this, we still struggle daily. You see, part of the work of being the church from the very beginning was and is to constantly overcome barriers so that we can meet one another right where we are. Nadia Boltz Weber describes the difficulty in these words by saying, when we celebrate all saints, we do not celebrate the superhuman faith and power of a select few, but of God's ability to use flawed people to do, to do divine things. We celebrate all on whom God has acted in baptism, sealing them, as Ephesians says, with the mark of the promised Holy Spirit. 
we celebrate the fact that God creates faith in God's people and those people through ordinary acts of love bring the kingdom of heaven closer to earth. We celebrate that we have in all who've gone before us what Paul calls such a great cloud of witnesses and that the faithful departed are as much a part of the body of Christ as we are. When I left the memorial room in Texas, I found my way to the other exhibit, civil rights. As I sat down on a bench in the middle of the room, I saw the words of Dorothy Day, a social activist. It said, a pebble cast into a pond causes ripples that spreads in all directions. Our thoughts, words, and deeds are like that. I believe in many ways that was exactly what Paul was talking about. God uses flawed, broken people and causes ripples everywhere. I want you to just take a moment. Think about the people in our community that we have lost. Think for a moment about the ways that God used each of them to do what we would consider small, minute things, but who might ended up being a divine thing. Even in the midst of their own brokenness and humanity. Take another moment. I want you to look around the room, literally look around the room. See the people that you understand and know Now see the people that you don't understand or you don't know. Maybe you had a disagreement with them or you struggle greatly with them. Let's be real. We all have the people we struggle with. As I think about it, I think of how so many of not just these, but you have impacted me. Sometimes with sheer determination and tenacity, Sometimes by the challenging words you or they spoke. Sometimes with frustration and fear. Sometimes with your wonder and awe. And often with their faith and hope. Here is the beauty and difficulty of Paul's words. We are all connected through the one who brings us together today. As I sat in the plane that was flying through the air that late Thursday evening on my way home, I looked out over the clouds. I saw the lights of the towns and the cities far below and was in complete awe. I thought about how our world is chaotic and seemingly only becoming more so. I thought about how connected we all are, whether we know it or not. And I thought about the pebble. What it represented for Dorothy Day, but also what it represents to Jewish people. You see, one of the Jewish customs is to place a pebble on a grave marker whenever you visit as a way of saying, I remember you but also 
that I take you with me. And I thought about you today, sitting in the space between remembrance and hope. May we find that as we sit in this space, in the midst of the company of saints who have gone and the saints who remain alongside us, may we find life and vitality, comfort in our grief, courage for the daily struggles, and hope as we face the future together. For that, I say thanks be to God. Amen.